Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Third and 10, Cleveland. Mayfield's got it, wants to throw, does almost picked off, but it is. Off a deflection, it's intercepted by A.J. Parker at the 34-yard line. Baker, what did you make of, of some of the booing there in the second half from the fans? Those are probably the same fans that won't be quiet while we're on offense and trying to operate, so don't really care. Great attitude, Baker. Well done. I, look, he's got a feistiness that serves him well. There are certain occasions where that feistiness doesn't serve him well. They're entitled to boo if you're not playing well. And if you're going to act like it's your birthright to play no matter how many injuries you have, you're expected to play at a sufficient level. And if you can't perform at that level because of your injuries, then let Case Keenum play. Don't be selfish and hog the ball when you're not able to perform with the ball the way that you need to. And if you get criticized for performing at a lower level because you're injured, you, you, you got to be an adult about it. You, you got you got to be mature about it. And, you know, they had some other comments that were, you know, a little pissy. Apologies to anyone who may be offended by the word pissy. Sorry, I just said pissy twice. Make it three times. But uh, I, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I just, you just got to, if you act like, the, the problem is if you act like it bothers you and if you say something like that, you know what you're going to do. You're inviting more of it. Yeah. And there would be those fans who won't be quiet when we're trying to operate, you know. Well, but you ever, what about this? I mean, well, you know, if you're the leader, get a, get him, do that and get him to shut up. But he's not, he's not going to get anybody to go any easier on him the way he reacted to the situation, in my opinion, Chris. I, I agreed, you know, I agreed. And in fact, yeah, I think it'll have the opposite effect. You know, it, it does. It's it, it, I, I love his passion and his feistiness too. That is what I do love about Baker Mayfield. But when you, when you say things like that, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I don't know, for lack of a better way to say it, bratty to a degree. I don't know. I, you know I'm, I'm not trying to call him a brat, but that, that comment is, no, no, no. They're, they're not the same people that won't be quiet when you have the ball in the offensive. These are people that are booing you because you're playing like crap. That's the bottom line. And that's a quote from his own mouth. Yeah, 
he didn't play well. You know, so just own it and go on. You got the win. We know you're beat up. You know, and that's where you know again. There's like things or time where where he's asked questions, and I love Baker Mayfield, and I respect the way he approaches it. But yes, for not to go to the the podium on Sunday after a bad game, I don't love that look. I don't. You know, you you don't have to go there and like be there for ten minutes. We saw Tom Brady two weeks ago against Washington not have a good game. He made it a quick press conference. He was bothered. Boom. Bam, he's out. He answered a few questions. That was it. Make it quick. Yeah, make it, make quick. it quick. Right. That's what he did. But, you know, then to be, you know, like pissy back to the fans because they booed you on a rainy, crappy day against the crappy Detroit Lions because you couldn't put the team away because of, wait for it, you. Yeah, you. Not only the two interceptions that were very bad, I mean, a handful of throws where guys were wide open, and he missed them too. It wasn't so, well, what do you want? Oh, wait, they're paying $100 to sit in the stands. It's 38 degrees, and it's pouring rain, and you're playing the Lions, and you're playing like crap. Did you, what did you want them to do? Come on. That's where I just want to be like, Baker, come on. You're better than that. And you're, you you got so many things to respect and like. I don't, I don't like that. Before we hear a little more from him, I want to say one more thing because I don't want to go – Colin Coward here and make Baker Mayfield hate a cottage industry where I keep pressing that button because it works because look I just say what I believe and you said the word bratty I think the more appropriate word is punk that's how he comes off sometimes sure. not all the time that's better but way sometimes he comes off as a punk better and the way problem to say is when you come off as a punk to the paying customers you jeopardize your ability to get the contract that you think you deserve from the team because if there's a gap between what Baker Mayfield thinks he's worth and what he's actually worth. If the fans love him, he's more likely to get what he thinks he's worth. A hundred percent. This is part of the psychology of the sport. It's not always about X's and O's. Yeah. It's about keeping the fans happy. And if the fans love Baker Mayfield, they are going to do what they have to do to keep Baker Mayfield, advantage Baker Mayfield. And so be careful who you're directing the punk attitude toward. Direct it to us. You're fine. Directed to the fans, you got a problem. Now, speaking of punk attitudes, here's a little more from Baker Mayfield yesterday about why he didn't talk to the media on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I was frustrated, uh, among other things. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I'm not, I've never dodged any questions or hit away from that. So um, it's not about that. Just frustrated, removed emotions and uh, all that from it. Just decided it was best to, to wait. I think that's what surprised us all, Baker, is that you pride yourself on on being that guy and being accountable and stepping forward. And not one part of that's not being accountable. I'd be the first to tell you I played like shit. So it's, <laughs> it's not about accountable, and I don't owe you guys any of that. I owe that to my teammates, and I talk to them, so that's what matters. You know, you talk so much about winning, and I know how important that is to you. Is it a mixed message at all that you walk straight off without celebrating on the field after the game? Um, I mean, to to our guys. No, to you guys, uh, maybe. It depends on how you want to take it. You're going to write your stories regardless. I mean, my guys know that all I care about is winning, but I'm going to be frustrated if if I do stuff to um, make it harder on us. And, and I did yesterday, and that's just flat out where it was. But I'm never going to take winning for granted. That's something that's very hard to do in this league, um, and it's hadn't been a, a very common thing around here for a long time. So uh, I'm just frustrated with how I played, and that's that's how I've always been. 
Since I'm accustomed to apologizing for Chris, I'll apologize on behalf of Baker Mayfield for the S-bomb that slipped past the goalie there in that answer. But, you know, that's where the punk attitude comes in. His attitude toward the media is, I don't know you people a damn thing. I don't have to talk to you. I'm accountable. Well, oh, but being accountable to you isn't the same. And he says, I've never dodged any questions. He dodged the whole press conference. He dodged all of the questions on Sunday by not showing up. And I think at some level, Chris, he kind of knew that, you know, when you balance it out, not showing up, probably a little bit better than what he would have said if he would have showed up. So maybe he's self-aware of his punk-ass nature at this point that he would have come in there and said some stuff that would have gotten people even more upset with him potentially maybe things about fans in the heat of the moment that would have gotten them more upset with him maybe that's what it was about because I really want to go off here on these people who were booing me but I'm not going to do it I'm not going to talk at all I'm just going to serenity now and wait till tomorrow but regardless you you can see it creep through his attitude is he doesn't owe the media anything and he doesn't realize the media is the liaison to the fans this is all coming back to his fragile and tenuous relationship with fans and that's what's going to get him run out of cleveland agreed you know yeah i mean i understand what he's trying to say i'm, I'm only accountable to the guys on the team but it's no no you're not you're you're not you're you're accountable to more than that sorry you do, you are you know as in you're the first pick of the draft as in you're the face of the organization which is Cleveland Browns are the number one sports team in Cleveland. So you're kind of the face of, yes, the Cleveland sports. I mean, yes, you, you do have that. And when you do, you know, five commercials a year from the Cleveland Browns stadium, then, yeah, that's the mantle you're taking to a degree. So, I mean, I know what he's trying to say. He wants to be accountable to the locker room, but no. Being accountable to the fans, controlling your emotions, that's part of being a franchise quarterback. I mean, it is. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's no other way to say that. That's what I think, you know, I think like football people, when they talk about Baker a little bit, it's one of the things I, I would worry about a little bit is yeah. The fact that he can't control his emotions there in a press conference, that would make me worry about maybe he can't control his emotions the right way on the football field either. And I think that's where it shouldn't filter over that way. You know, again, we saw Brady who has also like, you know, 97 million pelts on his horse to be able to, like, go next question, next question, okay? But for the most part of his career, been very open to the media, whether it's a big win or a tough loss, you know? And then, hey, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, how many times has he had to step up to the press conference after everybody wants to blame him for a loss that's not his loss? It's part of the duty. You know, that's part of what you do as the face of the franchise, you know? And uh, that, that's where, you know, yes, it's Baker Mayfield. I'd like to see him change that, that aspect of him. It's, it's tough. And I don't know what to say with Baker. I really thought early in the year we were on the way to, wow, Baker's turned a corner and look at this and he's going to be the face of the franchise and they're going to pay him, you know, franchise quarterback money. And he's going to be there for a long time. But the way the years played out and the way he's played, you know, I, I don't know how you could do that in Cleveland. How how could you pay him right now long-term money and do that? I, I, I got to well, see more. I do. It's just too all over the place. And I know he's beat up and I respect him, but uh, I wouldn't be able to pay him, you know, $35 million a year. That's for sure. There's no way that's happening right now. Yeah, if he stays in Cleveland, I think it'll be on a second tier. And we're going to see that develop. Gone yes. are the days 
of the next guy up who was on the pass side of pass fail where he becomes the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. And it went from Andrew Luck to Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo to Kirk Cousins to Matthew Stafford to Matt Ryan. It all happened in like a year. Yeah, and out of all those names, only Andrew Luck deserved it. Right? right? I mean, you talk about all those names. There's only one guy out of them. Yeah, so, sorry, I didn't mean to butt in, but just no, so no, no, apparent. You're fine. Yeah, so apparent. But but that doesn't work anymore. No. You're not, just because you're Baker Mayfield and you didn't bust, you don't get Josh Allen money. You don't get Lamar Jackson money whenever he gets his money. You don't get Dak Prescott money. You don't get Pat. You definitely don't get Patrick Mahomes money. You get thirty to thirty-five million. You get Jared Goff, Carson Wentz money, and those are the two names that keep coming back because. They are the cautionary tale where you sign Baker Mayfield to a contract, and then a year or two later you say, "What the hell did we do? Why did we do that? Yeah. Why? Why?" So you know, I think that's even too expensive, Mike. When I look at like thirty million, like for some of these second tier guys, again, you know, some of these teams got to start calling their bluffs and be like, "Well, who else is going to draft somebody? Right? We can draft somebody. Right? There's a lot of good. We we see there's a lot of good quarterbacks to go around right now. You know what? What it's like. Is somebody going to beat down Baker Mayfield's door if he became a free agent after the year to pay him $35 million a year? If, if they are, then I could tell you, I don't know. They're not that smart of a football team. They're taking a tremendous risk. I don't. And that's, I do think, Mike, I think you said it right. I think there's teams that there, there is a line in the sand now officially with like the quarterback thing. I think the Wentz, you said it, golf, that has really opened people's eyes to realize like, wait, why would we do that to our football team when – we're basically bidding against ourselves. We're, we're, we're creating a market where we're like, you want 30? No, we'll give you 32. Wait, you want 33? No, we'll give you 34. Well, why? Who, who else was going to pay him that? What are you doing? And that's to me where I think, yes, there's a lot of front office people and head coaches who have realized that over the last year and a half. For all the things that we could say in a negative fashion about the Washington football team and former team president Bruce Allen and there aren't enough hours in the day to detail the various things we could say. The one thing they got right was not giving big money to Kirk Cousins. I, frankly, I, I know there's currently the the general media, they love him vibe with Kirk Cousins mm-hmm, because yeah. as long as you give him seven seconds to throw, he's going to find an open receiver. But once the walls cave in, he's done, and they're eventually going to come up against a team where the walls cave in and they're going to be done. But th- 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 he got that that it started as 28 million a year and he leveraged it into a better deal in Minnesota after one or two seasons. But you know, he played the game in Washington and they played the game right back and maybe they shouldn't have franchise tagged him once or twice and just let him walk. At some point you you just got to say, go ahead, go, go. You don't like our offer. Go get something better elsewhere. Cause you're not going to, that's the thing. If Baker Mayfield's contract expires, who's going to pay him exactly million a year. Yeah. Now, now the problem is all it takes is one stupid team, and I can see the Lions doing something like that because he's, you know, we're looking for kneecap biters, and he'll bite your kneecap off. I, I'm telling you, you put me down right now, Baker Mayfield's going to be the quarterback of the Lions at some point <laughs> because the, the menta- he fits the mentality. He fits the mentality of what the Lions are trying to do currently, but they're not going to pay him $45 million a year. They're not going to pay him $40 million a year. No. Um, and and uh, he, 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 just, he better find a way to manage his nature and, and put his lips onto the collective butts of the Browns fans because that's the only way he's going to secure his future in Cleveland. Because right now, I, I think that we're too close to it to really appreciate it. I think it's extremely tenuous right now. And, and uh, I, I, I can't imagine with all those strategic personnel they have, with 
John D. Podesta and Andrew Barry, and it's all analytics and it's all numbers and it's all and it's all careful and it's all mathematical. They got to be looking at their options and they got to be asking themselves what else they should do. Now, the question is this, Chris, we see how banged up Baker Mayfield is. And we saw there was one game this year where they went with Case Keenum and it worked. Should they say to Baker, we're sitting you down Sunday night. We're letting you heal. We got a buy coming up. We're giving you some extra time to heal. We got the Ravens sandwich coming up with the buy in between. We're giving you the next couple of weeks to rest up and recover. We're going to go with Case on Sunday night. Yeah, they gotta that. That's something you got to be able to figure out during the week of practice. Like uh, that, that. That's to me where that question gets answered. You know, and and can he go out there and do everything that's needed to to be done at the quarterback position throughout the week? Okay, yes, he's doing it. Oh wow, all the receivers that were open this week, he hit it. There was no pain. You know, in a practice where you're not getting hit, there was no issues that way, then fine, you can continue to play him. But if you're seeing a pattern a little bit like we've seen, you know, in the games itself of yeah, a guy that is uncomfortable, a guy that's missing throws, a guy that's not reading the field exactly the way you want it to be done, then I would say sit him down. But that's that's got to be evaluated and they got to know that and figure that out during the week and in a hurry. You know, that, that to me is where that, that question gets answered, Mike. So I don't have one for you. Um, it's certainly not good. I mean, it's really not good. Um, but but uh, I think they got to see kind of what he's capable of doing and his comfort level. Because what we've talked about a lot, too, is, yeah, one, yeah, you're, you're beat up. And, and I got a lot of respect for his toughness. So, wait, yeah, it's going to affect some throws and some of your physical performance on the field. But what it does, and I know we've talked about this before, when you're beat up like that too, it starts to affect your decision making. Oh wait, if I hand stand stand here in the pocket and wait a half a second, you know the number two read's gonna be open. Oh, but the hell with it. I'm just gonna get it out of my hand to the number three read and get it out of my hand so I don't get hit. Well, okay, yeah, you got a completion to the number three read, but the number two read was open and you were gonna get hit, but it was gonna be a 25 yard gain. You know, that's where they got to figure that out, too. Is it affecting decision-making on the field? That, to me, is when you say, whoa, pump the brakes. Here comes Case Keenum. You get healthy. We'll see you in a few weeks. Question. Yeah. Do we think that what played out yesterday and the day before, not attending the press conference, and then yesterday the things he said and the attitude that he projected, I know it's a road game on Sunday night, but is there a point where the Browns say on top of the physical, maybe he needs a mental slash emotional break. You know, we, we hear it all the time now from the players and, and we support it and we should, I need a mental health break. I need some time to gather. Does he need to kind of involuntarily be told you need a break, you need a break, you need to heal, you need to rest, you need to relax, you know, because maybe teammates and coaches are sensing a little bit of an attitude and an edge that's counterproductive as well. Maybe they need to to, to get him out of the fray for a little bit so he can get that under control. I, I, I don't disagree with you there. Again, I think that's something that you, you got to evaluate and have a feel for is if you're Kevin Stefanski or offensive coordinator or quarterback coach. Because, yeah, I mean, how could he not be a little mentally beat up? You know, yes, people are criticizing him. You know, physically he's got to battle every day. He's probably got to get to the facility an hour earlier than normal because he's got to get rehab. He's probably there a little later because of rehab. You know, he's probably not sleeping as well at night because his damn shoulder and knee hurt. So it does. It has a ripple effect to everything you do. And that's where, 
hey, head coaches and, and other offensive coaches got to have a feel for the person, the player, and where he's at. And, and maybe that's, you know, leads them to the, to the point you're making. The good news, though, is the Browns are still 6-5, and five, although they're not living up to their expectations. They are on the right side of 500. Another team that had a high expectations by virtue of the fact that they went 12-4 and four last year is the Seattle Seahawks. They're 3-7, and seven, and uh, there's a little disagreement brewing between Tyler Lockett and Pete Carroll as to what the problem is. We'll try to get to the bottom of one of the many issues plaguing the Seahawks when PFT Live continues right after this. That is the Bulls game last night. Chant breaks out. Fire Nagy. That's not good. When that's it spills over to the other sports in the city, that's not good. And I, I firmly believe when they made the trade up to get Justin Fields, they had to necessarily accept the fact they're keeping Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, coach GM respectively, for at least two years. They lose to the Lions on Thursday. I don't care who's playing quarterback for either team. They lose the lines on Thursday. I think that that calculus may change. Oh, agreed. Agreed. You know, there definitely seems a, you know, a ground swelling, you know, and I think, you know, as far as, you know, the team itself and any football fan who's been watching the bears the last few years. Yeah. Okay. They blame Mitchell Trubisky. I think a lot of people have realized, wait, wait, it wasn't necessarily Mitchell Trubisky. I think everybody's realized that in Chicago, he's supposed to be an offensive coach. You know, offense has been below average his whole time there, and he's had a defense that was special. Uh, and and I think, you know, the Bears fans have just seen enough from the standpoint of lack of creativity, lack of an identity on the offensive side of the ball to where, you know, they're a pretty smart football fan base. They're frustrated. And, and I vividly recall when we went there for the first game of the 2019 season, Packers-Bears. I'd never been to Chicago before. It is a magical place. It is a great city. And uh, they are so passionate. And the Bears don't give them enough to justify just that vibe there. Everything about Soldier Field, everything about the city. And, and they, 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 they never get the payoff. They've got the one Super Bowl win, two Super Bowl appearances, uh, it just feels like they deserve more than that. This gets back to the Giant fan base, too. At least the Giants fans have four trophies in the case. The Bears only have one. But there's just I, I just I wonder how much longer this is going to last. Even if they plan to keep everyone around, they may not be able to do it. In Seattle, who knows what changes are going to be made after the season. We have to see how deep this goes. Right now it's 3-7. and seven. It could be 3-14. and 14. It could be 10-7 and seven in theory. But I think that they're going to be closer to the former. Here is a little back and forth, separated by a day. Tyler Lockett, Seahawks receiver, after Sunday's latest loss to the Colt McCoy-led Cardinals, followed by Pete Carroll responding to some of the concerns that Tyler Lockett articulated. Honestly, man, like, all these teams is not playing what they play on film. Like, they're literally not. So it's hard to be able to get ready because you don't know what you're going to get. Well, you're assuming that he's right. <laughs> you know, and uh, I didn't hear his comments, so I don't know what he said. So I'm not going to comment about that. But... Uh, We've often we've often seen teams over the years play us differently, you know, than they've played other teams because of the, the makeup of the QB, uh, his mobility and all that. They you know they try to find a way to see if they can counter that, and, and uh, um, that's always been kind of the case. So that's that's nothing new for us at all. 
I just have a feeling that Tyler Lockett is speaking more broadly than that, that they are being flat out full. They're seeing no indication. There are plenty of quarterbacks who play like Russell Wilson now. Yeah, exactly right. right. Exactly. And, and Russell's and, not and, even you know, that great of a scrambler anymore. I mean, yeah. So I, I think it's a deeper problem than that. We saw that last year when they went through the let Russ cook phase early in the year and it was working and then you get enough film on it and they were countering it, and they didn't have the answers for it. They were never even good enough to get to the point this year where there was something you need to get answers for. They've, they've, they cracked the code before the code ever was, you know, anything Entered that, in would, the computer. that would be. Yeah, it's yeah. not a good code. Right. It's a bad code, and they've right. cracked it. Right. Well, I mean, again, this it, is where, to me, it just looks like, you know, Pete Carroll has his hands on what the offense does too much. It doesn't look a whole lot different than what we've seen, yeah, in, in Seattle. So I think that's the issue, right? Yeah, there's obviously something there as far as how he wants the offense run. And, like, I'm again, like to, to what I want to say with Tyler Lockett and, and just going, well, yeah, they're playing us differently. First off, hey, you guys aren't the only team in football where a team gets out there and goes, whoa, they're playing this. We didn't think that. They didn't do that on film. You adjust. It's called the NFL. It's why you're making millions of dollars as a, a coach or whatever. I mean, it's not everybody gets exactly what they saw on film every week. Well, they did this and this, so they'll just do that against us. No, They're, their coaches are being paid, and they see your offense, and they go, whoa, we can play this defense and you know take some chances and do some things that we might not have done in a normal week against other teams because this offense is stinky, so we can play some other schemes. We don't need to do some of the stuff we saw in film because we've organized the defensive scheme now that takes away the two or three things that you only do on offense. Again, it's just, you know, you said it, it's become very predictable. It is. It's predictable. The, the, the team itself is not that talented. And, of course, Russell's coming off injury, and so he's not hitting on all cylinders. And it's just it's kind of all come to a head in Seattle right now to where, yeah, there's just – they're not going to win many games going forward here. Here's my question for you, and it's something that Shereen Williams and I were riffing about last night on PFTPM, and it popped into my head, and I'd never thought of it before, but this is why I love this format to engage ideas in real time. Whether you like it or not, you're getting a little bit of the sausage-making process because this is where I think of things. So here's what I thought of, and think about this. Next Monday night, the Seahawks play in Washington. That's the site of the first ever career playoff win for Russell Wilson back in 2012. It was right. the RG3 game. and Again, Shanahan's. And finally Washington. went, yeah. yeah. Right. Bad for Washington, good for Seattle. On that night, that will be Russell Wilson's 33rd birthday, November 29th. I, I'm wondering, because we're getting to the point in his career where he should be part player, part coach, where we're opening up the database, the Rolodex, the, the mind, where you walk up to the line of scrimmage and you've seen it all, you've done it all, you can diagnose a defense, you can basically operate the offense as the quarterback. And we've seen Tom Brady be in that extended window for over a decade. We saw it with Peyton Manning, we've seen it with other great quarterbacks. Has the Seattle offense and Pete Carroll's approach kept Russell Wilson from getting to the point yes. as he approaches his 33rd birthday where he's able to do that the way other great quarterbacks have done it? Uh, no, I mean, you're uh, – so is, 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 no, he's not. 
the the approach has He's not able to do it. He it, can't he can't be the coach on the field because it's been too simple. He doesn't even know what he doesn't know. Right. Yeah. He doesn't even know That's what he doesn't point. know. He doesn't. Like if he went to New England with Brady and company, he'd be like, "What?" Wait, that's what you guys are doing here? That's the what you've re- reading? That's that's what it is? Like, oh wait, so you're you're playing this play? Oh, like there's there's yes, it's been beginner level offense from he since he's been there, a hundred percent, you know, and that does happen. But yeah, I mean, look at look, at, you know, I used to argue this kind of with Aaron Rodgers too, because I'd be like, I feel bad for the guy. He's like trying to jam another slant route in there for Mike McCarthy and coming. Let me jam it in there one more time. And I wanted to be like, damn. And, you know, he got LaFleur, and he's like, whoa, this is exciting. He's doing all this stuff. I never knew all this. This is a brilliant Aaron Rodgers. Same thing with Russell Wilson. There's no doubt. Russell Wilson's not perfect, uh, you know, but he's still a damn good football player. He's going through a tough time right now because of the injury. But, yes, I think because of the way they play and the simplistic approach on the offensive side of the ball – all the time and never really putting things in his hands and then always being told, hey, we got a great defense, so don't turn it over. Don't turn it over. Don't turn it over. I mean, Russell, if you watch him, the biggest flaw in his game to me is he doesn't pull the trigger with ball with open receivers in the middle of the field because I think he's scarred with Pete Carroll going, don't worry, our defense will save us. Just don't you ruin the game. So, yes, they have done him a disservice as far as his knowledge of the game compared to other quarterbacks where I'd go – Oh, no, you, if you got in the room with some other guys with high-level offensive coordinators and talk shop to, like, Drew Brees or Tom Brady or now Aaron Rodgers with the floor, you'd realize that they're on a different X's and O's stratosphere than, than, than he is. And because they won a Super Bowl in his second season, got back to it in his third season, I don't want to say it's complacency, but maybe it is. I don't know what it is, but they've never gone next level. They've never fully expanded. Never. And so here he is at age 33 as of Monday, well behind where other great quarterbacks have been. So here's my suggested solution. Russell Wilson, after the season, gets traded to the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield, after the season, gets traded to the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff gets traded from the Lions to the Seahawks, and they throw him into the Pacific Ocean. That's the solution. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, when are you going to bring in like a Canadian football team here that Jared Goff's going to go to? I don't know where you're going to go there. <laughs> you're pretty Let's funny. Take a break. But the Seattle thing's amazing, Mike, and I don't know where it goes because it's it's there's a lot of issues, and I and and it's it's almost like you want to blow the whole thing up a little bit. But yeah, does Pete Carroll want to blow it up as the oldest coach in football? I don't know, and that to me is one of the more intriguing storylines as we go down the the last stretch of the and season. And we don't here. know who's calling the shots. Yeah, we don't know who's right. calling the shots and right. who's going to make the decisions. And does Pete stay or go? A lot of layers and levels that we'll surely be talking about. Speed bumper roadblock. We're going to play that game with some teams who stumbled in Week 11 when PFT Live continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. 
Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. question about the the play around the edge on Miles's long run I think it was like 12 15 yards like that's a block the block he makes I feel like I haven't seen that block I'm giving him very high praise because he's a great player that's like a movie style block right where you don't see like a guy accelerate through one block and then go continue on to a next block throw another block I think I saw that on the only other time I see that he made that he made one of those same blocks against Atlanta and I said the same thing I've seen it against it. Jason Kelsey do it against Atlanta. I saw Jason Kelsey do it against the Saints yesterday. And I saw Billy Bob on uh, Varsity Blues do it again in West Texas uh, on that. That's Those are the three times I've seen that play happen. Uh, that's good. I like that from Nick Coach Sirianni. Bro. Coach that's Bro, good. that's better than flowers and fertilizer. Hey, the pla- it's growing, man, though. It's growing. It's that growing. damn flower is growing. Ever since he said it, damn flowers are growing out of the ground in Philadelphia. Uh they're growing something you may want to smoke. That's what they're growing. Damn, in hey, Sirianni, plant it, and I might smoke it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's focus on some teams that aren't thriving right now. Speed bump or roadblock? Specifically, was this performance an anomaly or a sign of a bigger problem as we work our way toward the postseason? Let's start with the Saints against those Philadelphia Eagles. They allowed 242 rushing yards to Philadelphia. Entering week 11... It had been 73 per game, the best in the NFL. That is a huge difference. Is that a speed bump or a roadblock for the Saints defense this year? I'm going to go speed bump on that one. I, I am. You know, I still think it's going to end up, and it is one of the best run defenses in football. They just, hey, they got issues against that Philadelphia offensive line and what they do. And again, you know, hey, you, you, you've heard me say it, I think, the last few weeks. Uh, I know I've broken it down on my podcast a little bit. The Eagles, hey, Nick Sirianni, he might not be the greatest, you know, interview guy standing in front of the podium ever, but he's he's a good coach. I'm 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 convinced of that from what I see. And he's playing the right way that fits his team, and their O line is super talented, you know, as he just brought up with Jason Kelsey, who's gonna be a Hall of Fame center. Uh, but man, uh, I think this is just one of those tough matchups with a quarterback that made it even tougher because of his ability to run and a team that's hot in the run game right now. Yeah, and the Saints, look, their, their offense was down. Your offense, if it's not getting it done, your defense gets tired, your defense gets worn 100%. out, and if the running game is working, it continues. Seven starters entering the season, Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston among them, but seven starters not available on offense for the Saints this past weekend that had – Something to do with that outcome. Bills rush defense. How about this? 264 yards allowed to the Colts, the most of any team this season. Entering week 11, the Bills were averaging only 84 rush yards allowed per game. Speed bump or roadblock for them, Chris? You know, 
I, I'm going to say roadblock. I am. And you know, it, th- they'll be fine against the lower class of the NFL. That's fine. But the upper class of the NFL, oh, you got the Patriots on your schedule twice coming up, the Panthers, the Bucks, the Saints. Like, no, that's why I'm going to go roadblock because against those teams, you know, the one thing that I worry about with the Bills, and we saw it against the Tennessee Titans too, you know, they, they can get – they're not real big up front. They can get overpowered at the line of scrimmage and then have to just commit way too many assets to stopping the run or have too many people right at the line of scrimmage to where if you do break the first level, it's watch out, I'm in the second level, and it's really just the safeties I got to beat. That's what we saw the other day. So I'm going to say it's a road a roadblock. I am. They'll fool us and, against and some lesser teams, but I think it's a roadblock. And I'm going to bang the drum again in a slightly different way. The offense is making it harder for the defense. No doubt. Because they won't run the ball. They're not running the ball. And so your defense is on the field longer. We talked about that earlier. On the field longer, you're tired, and you're more susceptible to continuing to get gashed as the game wears on. How about Ryan Tannehill? Career-high four interceptions against the lowly Houston Texans. Is that a speed bump or a roadblock for the Titans as they try to continue what had been a special season until they got on the wrong side of Houston. I'm going to go speed bump there. I am. It's been too consistently good for too long. I mean, yes, life's not going to be easy on the offensive side of the ball with them and Derrick Henry, but, uh, you know, I I think the elements and the way the game shook out a little bit, yeah, it just, it was an off day. There's no doubt. You know, they, they, they're, they need Julio Jones to be totally ready, 100% healthy. And they need, I know A.J. Brown's playing, but I don't think he's totally 100% healthy either. But uh, I'm, I'm still going to go speed bump with that one. Yeah, look, I, I don't think he's going to throw four interceptions a week, but I think it finally caught up to them that they don't have Derrick Henry. Yes, I think that's, I, I think that's a fair that's way to say it. Yes. And, and uh, you get in a bad weather day like they had and you're going to see more of them as the season unfolds and you're going to have to go on the road maybe to New England in the postseason it's going to be harder it's going to be a lot of focus and a lot of pressure on Ryan Tannehill and they do need AJ Brown to be healthy they need Julio Jones they need the passing game to step up they do and uh and have the running game be the thing that you do because the passing game is working so well not the other way around all right one more here or a couple more here real quickly. Cowboys scoring nine points at the Chiefs. Is that a speed bump or a road bump? I'm still going to go speed bump there. You know, I mean, it was disappointing, certainly. I still think it's, you know, hey, C.D. Lamb got hurt. We know that Amari Cooper wasn't there. You know, they're missing Tyrone Smith at left tackle. You know, Steele, who has had to fill in for him to go to left tackle after playing right tackle when Lyle Collins was out. He's really struggled at that left tackle position. And, hey, the thing that I was disappointed about more than Dallas with anything is just they got – they got it was one of the only times all year I can look at it and go, they just got physically out hit. I mean, the Chiefs just got in their face and said, screw you, like bring it and we'll see what you got. And they won the battle up front on both sides of the ball. They got in the face of the Dallas Cowboys receivers. Like, to me, it looked like Dallas showed up and just thought, we're, we're, we're got more talent. We're just going to – we're just going to beat them. We don't need to do anything special. And, yeah, Kansas City had something for you. There's a reason Kansas City's been, you know, a Super Bowl contender and in the Super Bowl and dancing around it for three years straight. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. Not having Amari Cooper didn't help. Having C.D. Lamb get concussed hurt as well. I know Pete just killed the last, but i got to say this real quick. Yeah. The Packers defense. 
allowing 34 points against the Vikings. Speed bump or roadblock? I think it's a speed bump. And I say that because last night, and, and I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna call anyone out. I don't wanna say that it was Booger McFarlane making the point, but I did. That that the Packers don't have Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander, and that's why they stunk against the Vikings. They haven't had Zadarius the whole Smith year. all year. And J- Jair Alexander hasn't played since week four. Right. And they shut out the Seahawks and they allowed thirteen the week before to the Chiefs. So they're getting it done without Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander. There's something else that went wrong on Sunday against the Vikings, and I think it's temporary. They just hit the Vikings on a day when they couldn't get to Kirk Cousins because yes. that's the key to stopping the Vikings. Right. Slow no. down Dalvin Cook yeah. and get to Kirk Cousins. No doubt. I think they got a little too worried about, yeah, stopping Dalvin Cook. They messed up a few coverages downfield. And, and you know, forget, you know, Zadarius Smith. Yeah, he hasn't played all year. Yeah, it'd be great if Jair Alexander was out there. Rashawn Gary. That to me was the one of the guy. That was the biggest miss of the game. He's the one that's been kicking butt there. But yeah, they they got they caught a team on a hot day, and Jefferson and Cousins were on fire, and they ran the ball just well enough that Green Bay had to worry about that too much. And I don't think got to play the normal coverages they want to play. That's a film I'm very excited to watch today, later today. Quick break. Taysom Hill gets an extension that will pay him like a quarterback, unless he's not playing quarterback, and then it won't. We'll explain when the after <laughs> continues right after this. Well, something's got to give on Thursday because all six of the teams that will be playing on Thanksgiving lost this weekend. They yes. all lost. Yes. All of them lost. That means they're going to be a lot of pissed off football teams. It's going to mean there's going to be a lot better viewing pleasure for us on Thursday. That's what I like about it. The one team not on there, the Saints, they will host the nightcap on NBC called by Mike Tirico and Drew Brees. And the Saints made some news yesterday by giving Taysom Hill a four-year extension. Now, he's going to get at least $40 million under the terms of the four-year deal. And until we know the full structure, it could be backloaded. There's always the possibility that the devil in the details shows that it's not as great of a deal as we would think. The big kicker is this. There are $55 million in incentives that will tie to whether or not he plays quarterback or some other position. And I, I, so I was confused. The, the, the report from Shefty, very basic, very bare bones. There's, there's more there by way of curiosity. So how do we determine whether or not he's playing quarterback or some other position? And I'm told that it comes down to how many passes he throws in a year. 224, that's the minimum number that's used in the CBA for various incentives that are available to players. So 224, that's the number they picked. It was a difficult, delicate negotiation to come up with the right way to determine when he's a quarterback and when he's not. So he can line up as quarterback. Unless he throws it, he's not a quarterback. You can line up as H-back, tight end, whatever. If you get the ball and you throw it, you it counts. 224, that's 13 a game. There are incentives in the postseason tied to 10 throws per game. That's going to be the dividing line between whether or not he's a quarterback and paid accordingly or something else and paid accordingly. And uh, I'm a little surprised he did it, but maybe he's getting to the point in his career where he realizes, you know, if I can't beat out Trevor Simeon to be the quarterback when Jameis Winston's injured, maybe maybe I'm better off in this other role that I have, whatever that role may be. Well, it does give him security, I guess. You're right. He's had a, he's at, he's older than you know we all realize, right? But he's in he's in his 30s, right? Isn't Taysom Hill? Am I correct with that? I believe he I think is. He's like 31. I'll 31. Check. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Which is you know again, I think older than we all realize at times. So makes sense. He gets himself some security there. I think he's at a place he likes. 
You know, I, I, I will say what you say. I mean, I'd like to think he'd be starting if he was 100% healthy or was healthy when Jameis Winston got hurt. You know, and I do know he's still banged up right now at this point. Um, but, but like, uh, I, I sit there right now and just go, if he's close to healthy, when are we going to see Taysom Hill at quarterback? You know, I'm, I'm not that Trevor Simeon, Simeon's done a good job, a bad job, but I'm not going to sit here and say it's been a good job. It's not, it's not been special. To me, they need some of the Taysom Hill talent and elements he can bring to an offense right now that we know is like, it struggles to make plays, especially when Alvin Kamara is not there. So uh, I just wonder if, if we're going to you know see him anytime soon at the quarterback position, uh, and I guess I can understand him taking this contract. Alvin Kamara would not have practiced on Monday if they had had a practice. That's typically what we see in the short week injury reports. We'll, we'll see whether or not they have Kamara on Thursday night, how much we see Taysom Hill, but this Saints team – this is a topic for another day, but I suspect they will be in the chase for one of the potentially available veteran quarterbacks when the time comes uh, in the offseason because it's not working with the guys they currently have, and uh, they at least will have Taysom Hill in the mix. Let's take a break. Goats in a bad way. Oh, we got to cut Chris things out. It's goats in a bad way. We got to get to it. We got to get to it. Of the week. We'll do it when PFT Live continues right after this. There'll always be that one big name who's dead, who isn't really dead, to fill some weird defect in our DNA that require us to have this fascination that somebody who they're telling us is dead. Hell, before that was Paul McCartney. Who went from Paul McCartney to Elvis to JFK Jr. Yeah. Who's it going to be next? Prince? Can we start that one? Prince is still alive. Can we start that? <laughs> go ahead. Start it. Let's go crazy, literally. We already are crazy. Let's really go crazy. Prince is still alive. Oh my goodness! You look kind of good. Uh, I I have, uh, yeah. I Not don't, bad I mustache, mustache look. That's, can you yeah. can you can you um, grow a mustache? Can you do that? It would be stark white. We went through this earlier in the year. I forgot yeah. to shave one day, so I let it go to two. I let it go to three, and I think it was on day four when I got the "What the hell are you doing?" question from my wife. Now, that could apply at any given time to all sorts of things, but she was referring to this white Santa Claus beard that was popping out of my face. So, no, I could not do that mustache without some shoe polish on the uh, on the mustache. Anyway, uh, Prince is alive. We have continued to get reports of Prince sightings, so uh, that's just kind of the way it is. All right, goats in a bad way. Chris, who you got? Well, I'll go Ryan Tannehill to start. Uh, it's hard not to say, you know, say him. Of course, the four turnovers he had, one was really late, a little desperate. But hey, to throw four interceptions, three, you know, definitely his fault against a Houston Texans football team that we know is not real good. You know, had a hard time moving the ball. You know, th that was a game there. If he takes care of the ball, I think they they find a way to win twelve to six or fifteen to six, somewhere in that range. Um, but certainly had an off day and let the ball get away from him in some some bad conditions there in the game that cost them. I'm going to start with Baker Mayfield, even though they won the game. Rarely do we take a goat from a team that won, but I, I didn't like the performance. I didn't like stiffing the media. I didn't like the attitude yesterday toward the fans, toward the media, 
And we're kind of like where we were a few weeks ago where someone had to tap him on the shoulder and say, you need to take a seat. I think he needs to take a seat this week and let Case Keenum play. Yeah, I, I hear that all the way. I mean, it's certainly it's I think it's goat because of the play and yeah, because of the way he handled himself after none of it looked good for Baker this week. That's for sure. Um, I think next I got to go and I'm going to I'm going to go to Josh Allen. Bigger picture, just the Buffalo offense in general. But, yeah, Josh Allen, it does start with him. I know that. Hey, they're down 7 nothing. The Colts make a great drive. He tries to fit a ball in, you know, down the middle of the field right when they're about to get into field goal territory. That causes a turnover. You know, not to put too much on him as far as just this draft is concerned because too much is on him already. But, you know, he has not been on his A-plus game for the last four or five weeks. I know the Jets game two weeks ago, he was great, but it was the Jets and that offense in general struggling, and they asked too much of him again. So, yeah, I'm picking Josh Allen, but I guess I'm picking Brian Dayball and the offense altogether that's just underwhelming well, well, and too well, Josh Allen-centric well. right now. You already picked Josh Allen because I'm taking Brian Dayball. Okay, fine. Let, let's <laughs> okay, split this fine. one up because right. here's the thing. Yeah. And this is something This is something that, that – I, I picked up in a comment that came through one of the Sunday meetings, and I can't remember who said it. I don't want to out anybody to the extent that people don't want to be on the record for accusing Brian Dayball of thinking about his next job and auditioning for his next job instead of focusing on his current job. But that's what's going on. And I remember when Hugh Jackson did that, the year that he was the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati trying to get another head coaching job, and they would do those funky plays with – you know, th three offensive linemen split wide. Remember they would do it like, like, hey, Hugh Jackson's just trying to get noticed for his next job. I feel like Brian Dayball is doing that now. He's try trying to parlay the Josh Allen experience from last year into another experience like it this year so he gets a head coaching job after this season. They've lost sight of the run game, and that contributed to what happened on Sunday, and it contributed to what happened in Jacksonville. They never got away from what they want to do. No, they never pivoted right. to something else, and they score you. six points for the entire game. And I think that's on Dayball, and I really do think it's a thing where guys are, are trying to reach for that brass ring, and they fall off the horse. Yeah, no, I, I think there is something to that. They, they start to, yeah, look about how they're going to be perceived and what is that going to do for my future as far as a head coach, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing for the football team right now that you're coaching and it fits into what they are as a total team. And you're right. We see a lot of offensive coordinators fall into that trap, definitely. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm i still a believer. Daryl Bevel threw the ball at the one with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson because he wanted another touchdown pass, you know, on the resume. Look what I did. We won the Super Bowl. I had a great call. Instead of just giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch up the middle. I think that's a real thing, no doubt about it. Um, All right, uh, let's take a break. Oh, fine. For the take a last break. round because yep. we're short on time. Round three. Goats in a bad way draft uh, when PFT Live concludes right after this. This is fine. This is fine. That was uh, not something we made. Somebody responded to one of our tweets with that. I don't know the encounter. I'd give him credit. But this is fine. The clapper. Not fine for the Giants. All right, round three of the Goats in a bad way draft. Chris, you're okay, up. Okay, you're up. Good. Go. Yeah, go, thank you. Go I'll now. do. I'm gonna go with um, the Panthers defense. All right, I'm, I'm gonna go with them. You know, in a game where I just look at, it, of course, I I think highly of the Panthers defense. I know it's one of the better units in football. This was a game where, yeah, they let the team down. The Panthers offense played well enough for them to win the football game. You know, I think if you, oh, Cam Newton and company led us to 
you know, three scoring drives, right? We didn't have a turnover in the football game. We should win. And they just couldn't get off the field against Washington. And Washington did a little bit of whatever they wanted all day long, and they couldn't contain Taylor Heineke. To me, that was one of the more disappointing efforts of the weekend. I, I need to go with someone from the Giants, but I don't know who, yeah. Chris. That's yeah. the challenge. Is it Daniel Jones, the quarterback, who I think we're at the point now where, you know, pass, fail, it's fail. It's time. It's over. We we didn't mention this earlier, but what's he got? He's got 49 turnovers in 37 career games. It's over. It's done. But is it Dave Gettleman for putting together a crap roster? Is it Joe Judge? Is it Jason Garrett? Is it John Mara? Let's just put the whole organization in the, in the goat bucket this week because there was nothing last night that I saw that I liked other than the big guy touchdown from Andrew Thomas. That's it. Everything else was crap last night. I, I, I can't disagree. It wasn't pretty, you know, and it's it's hard to point, you know, or put a finger on who to blame. But, yeah, they were, you know, like you said again to start the show, outclassed. You kind of had a feel from, like, the first drive, like, whoa, this doesn't look good. They're in deep trouble. Uh, they got lucky with the interception, certainly. But, you know, after that, there was not many bright spots to talk about. All right, bright spot for you. You don't have to listen to us anymore until tomorrow. Thanks for some of your time, as always. See you Wednesday morning. See ya. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.